Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. He's fresh off a U Sports National Championship with the University of Alberta. Before that, he was a three-time club champion with uh, Alberta. He's won a medal at Nationals from 14U to 17U, including gold in 17U, where he's also named tournament MVP. And rumor is, and if it's not even true, we're going to spread the urban myth that he has set this year. He's played left side and he's played middle. And rumor is he's played lib and right side in practice. So he's just an all-around great volleyball player. Please welcome to the show, Cam Kern. Thanks for doing this, man. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on here, Josh. So we'll get to the fun facts later about you being able to play every position and just be an all-around great volleyball player. But uh, I think some of our listeners are probably perking up last name like Kern. And then I found out just talking to you before the show, Sister Kendra, national champion with the Trinity Western Women, and older brother Jacob, national champion with uh, Trinity there. So getting to be quite the dinner table conversations with all these national champs. But I got to know, when you were younger, were you guys always volleyball players or were you playing other sports too? Yeah, we, uh, we all, well, Jacob and I started out playing hockey and basketball and soccer, just kind of everything that came with, with school sports and um, being a Canadian, obviously you have to play some hockey. And then, yeah, younger sister Kendra did a lot of the same stuff. Yeah, we, we didn't start playing volleyball really until Jacob, who's three years older than me, got into junior high. Um, he didn't actually want to try out for the team and my parents kind of convinced him. He, he was saying, no, it's a girl sport. I don't want to do that. but my uh, my parents said no. You got to go to the first tryout, and he fell in love with it, and I I fell in love with it right after. Nice, nice. So in that Edmonton area, uh, was nukes always a thing? Like uh, I'm trying to think. Like usually people, well, not usually I shouldn't say that, but like Fog is a very big club there. Like it seems like there's a lot of opportunities to play. Like how did you find your club and kind of stick with that group your whole club career? We got super fortunate with nukes. They are in the the volleyball world a newer club. Um, they started probably. 10 or 15 years ago now, but my brother started playing with um, NABC and Fog his first couple of years and just didn't have um, great experiences and were looking for, for just a, a change um, and stumbled across Nukes. And my dad started coaching um, him right away there. And then I started playing um, with, with a couple guys I played the entire way through with after that. My parents started running the club actually about three or four years into us playing. So we got super fortunate. I, uh, I had a great team all the way up and we had no complaints with it. So we, we stuck it out. Yeah, I got to know with the amount of provincial medals you've won and championships and nationals and all that, like, was it just an expectation at a certain point to keep doing it? Or did you always feel like you had to like work harder and follow the process? Like the, the outcome here is very impressive. I'm wondering what it was like being a 13 year old winning all the way to like 17, you like winning everything it looked like. Yeah, I would say I was pretty competitive and pretty driven from a young age. Um, it was always awesome having success. And I had some really great club teammates. A lot of them went out to play college. One of them came to U of A with me for my first couple of years. And we, we always kind of had that end goal in mind of like, yeah, like you can be good when you're young, but like, what about when we're older? What are we going to do then? And my dad coached me all the way up as well. And he was always pushing us every day. Like he didn't really care if we won every tournament or beat every team by 20 points. Like, it, he would set goals for us in games and be like, if we're playing a weaker team, if they get more than 10 points, like every point above that to set a line to the next practice, like those kind of standards where we're not just playing to play, we're, we're doing it with intent. Um, and so I think it was always really easy for us. We always had that end goal in mind of, of what does life after club look like for us? 
Now, does any year stand out in your mind? Like, obviously, 17 of you being a national champion, but I find, and maybe this is purely anecdotal, like, around the gap between 16U and 17U, boys volleyball really chains. And what I mean by that is, like, there's a lot of guys who are legends in 16U, and then the net goes up, and guys get more physical, and they hit their growth spurt where, was that a big jump for you, or does that a year stand out as, like, volleyball kind of got more harder, or maybe it got more fun and more tactical at a certain age? Yeah, we uh, we had a pretty pretty talented group in U16. Um, but there was definitely a few guys who, who struggled with the net height. I was super lucky. I grew pretty early. I've been been my height since I was kind of that age, 15, 16. Um, so for me, that jump wasn't wasn't anything crazy. But I loved that year going into 17. It just there was a lot more tactics to it. It was a lot more mental and there was a lot more preparation and systems and that kind of stuff playing on the higher net. It wasn't so much about who can jump the highest anymore. But you have to combine a lot of those different skills. And I, I really enjoy that. That's that's the part of the game I, I fell in love with. Now, I, I always say our listeners love a good name drop, but really it's me. So why don't you shout out, uh, you already mentioned like your, your parents were a big part running the club, but who were some guys in your age group? And then when you won 17 nationals, like who was your path? Who were you playing in the finals or the quarters on and things like that? In my age group, we we had some really talented outsides. Um, so my teammate, Braden Friesen at U of A uh, is my age. And then I would BC, uh, Brody Hofer and Mike Dalhaniak played against those guys most of the way up. Um, Matt Neves from Calgary, Louis Lang from Calgary. Matias Elser was playing against us. He was a year younger, but playing up. So we had a lot of talent around us. And then in nationals, we we ended up playing Fog in our quarterfinals. So had been battling them all year um, and had the, the privilege of, of beating them in a, at the quarterfinals. That was a, that was a fun one for sure. Um, and then we played the Predators from Kitchener. That was Alex Mackay. He's at Princeton now, I believe. They were a great team, and that was that was our that was our finals. We always say like that was the best game of the tournament for us. And then ended up playing against Winman in the finals, and yeah, it was it was a, a crazy tournament for us. Being being that young, like you don't really understand like how cool it is to win a national title. But looking back on it now, it's it's pretty crazy to think. And you mentioned like you guys weren't a, a big club on playing for the sake of playing, whether that was like setting a mini goal of the score or just like really working uh, really hard. But I'm curious, are you a goal setting team? Like, was it a goal to win a national title? Was that like written on the whiteboard at the first tryout or the first practice? Or like, was that something that just came together? Because obviously it's really hard to achieve. I'm curious, was that like a roadmap, something that you guys could circle in like a journal or put on the whiteboard, like I said, or is it just it came together at the right time? I think it was kind of a couple of years building for us. We, we always had, like I said, very high standards for ourselves. And uh, my dad as the coach put, put very high standards on us as a team because he knew we had a really talented group. And it wasn't unreasonable for us to, to think about those kind of things. Um, we had lost in the finals both 15 and 16U. So we knew we were a talented team and had a chance to go deep again. And I think all of us were just were just ready to kind of break through in that 17U year. We were, we were tired of getting that silver medal. and. I think that was the biggest thing for us. It wasn't like we were talking about it every day, but we were definitely aware of it. And maybe this this club year or, or just overall growing up, this is foreshadowing of what you accomplished at U of A, but were you always playing one position? Like, was there was there just good drills going on at practice that everybody did everything? Or like, what would you credit to you stepping into a great program at U of A, but being able to play literally every position? <laughs> um, yeah, position-wise, I sat all the way up. Um, Every once in a while, there would be injuries and stuff, uh, more so in high school seasons than in club. But 
Um, I would like set out of the middle or set from left side, you know, kind of modified six, two system or those kind of things where I just had different opportunities to set and work on other skills. But, um, again, I would credit my older brother, Jacob and my dad for, for the versatility I was able to develop the way it worked. My dad coached both of our club teams every year. And so they would always practice after us. So we would have our two hours, they would have their two hours after, and I would just stick around um, shag balls or if they were short players, I would help out and do what I could there. And I just loved being in the gym. Um, and thankfully my, my brother and I, um, are very close. And so he was okay with that. He didn't mind his little brother sticking around and <laughs> hanging out with his friends. But, um, I just got a lot of, a lot of extra contacts in a lot higher skill level than I was ready for at a young age. So, um, I was practicing with my U13 club team and then I would stick around with, my brother's U16 club team for a couple hours. And I think that was really where I developed a lot of the non-setting skills um, and just getting to watch him throughout his volleyball career, just in the gym all the time. Nice. So when did recruiting really start for you? Because as you mentioned, like your parents are running the club, so they have to be used to like post-secondary for a lot of the the older athletes. And then watching what your brother Jacob did, like, was that 17 New Year a big year for you because you're named MVP, like you guys take it down? Or did it start a little bit before then about looking at playing college or university? Yeah, um, it started a little earlier than that for me. Um, as soon as um, Jacob committed to Trinity, that was where I wanted to end up as well, because we had always talked about playing together. But with the three-year age gap, we never got to play on any school teams. So when he committed there, I was I was pretty set on like that's where I want to go and um, was talking with them for for a while throughout my grade ten, like my U16 year, and then uh, throughout parts of the U17 year. But um, yeah, just timing with um, other setters and that kind of stuff, it wasn't the best fit for me. Um, but Brock and Terry kind of started talking to me around that same time, kind of in that grade ten ish. Even a little bit in grade nine, I was getting to know those guys through through camps and that kind of stuff. And uh, Brock ran a lot of grassroots volleyball stuff that uh, that I was a part of. So had a lot of familiarity with those two and then became yeah more serious discussions in my grade 10 and 11 years. Yeah, I was just about to ask, uh, did you ever attend any of Brock's like setter clinics or setter academy stuff before you were a university athlete? Yeah, yeah, all the time. Um, he, yeah, he coached me a ton with. Um, I don't know what it's called now, but it used to be called BCC, like the Volleyball Canada Centers of Excellence. Um, so I would do that with him a couple times a week. And then, yeah, he coached me a lot with grassroots. Um, got coached by Brett Walsh a lot as well, because he was kind of guest coaching those camps for Brock. Um, so a lot of exposure to the Bears and, and the Bears system. Now, what do you remember about those clinics? Because uh don't get me wrong. Like I think your your parents did a great job at Nukes, and obviously your competitive team. And I'm sure you had some great school coaches. But uh, we've had Brock on the show, and that guy can do, go down the rabbit hole just talking about the difference between a, a left right step close and a right left, or like going into really detail about you know looking through the net, or or if you're around Brett Walsh, like that guy is as creative as I've ever seen as a setter. So w- when you're in a clinic with those guys, was it just like a little bit different about like where your attention's going and the ball performance? Yeah, for sure. I think. My dad did a really good job of teaching the tactics of volleyball to me, and and I had a good mind for the game. But I think technically, I really lacked um, throughout high school. I just I knew how to get the job done, but it wasn't always the prettiest way of doing it. So yeah, I've I've spent so many hours with Brock going over footwork patterns and, and contact point and release. Um, pretty much any part of setting that you can think of, we've spent a couple hours or a few sessions working on it. Now. 
to jump into U of A, like I'm, I'm going to keep bringing up this position thing because I think it's fascinating. But one thing I, I have to know is just your overall mindset going in. And what I mean by that is your accolades, your MVPs, like you, you said you were a setter your whole club career, but now you're on a team with Max Elgert. So how did you not get the poor me's that you're just going to have to wait your turn and wait for him to graduate? Like, how are you still getting reps and being able to fill in the guy where all of a sudden, oh, we don't have a middle. Cam can do that. Oh, uh, Friesen gets hurt. And instead of the team crumbling and saying, we just lost one of our best guys, you know, Cam's been working on his passing. Like he can sub in and do that. Like, how did you find time to like challenge yourself and still contribute versus like, you know, uh, when Max is done, I'll get my turn. I just have to sit and wait because I'm a good setter, but I'm behind another really good setter. Yeah, it was it was definitely tough um, in my first year. Not so much with playtime stuff, but I I got a pretty serious shoulder injury and had some nerve damage there, so I couldn't play volleyball for about five six months, um, leading right into into my first year. Um, so it was actually I went out to Gatineau for junior national tryouts and um, didn't make it unfortunately. But right after the tryout, I'd been having a bunch of pain throughout it, and then uh, yeah, I got home was probably a week back, and then just wrecked it working out. Um, so going into my, my first year, I was basically just full-time rehab. I, I, I couldn't get my arm over top of my head for, for quite a while and couldn't set a ball for the first two months of being there. So I had to really change my expectations. Um, we had Max, like you mentioned, but also um, Luke Brisbane was there as well. Um, so having those two upperclassmen, I, I knew my role. Um, it was just, it was tough for me, I think mentally more than anything not being able to train, not being able to work and feeling like I was starting to fall behind a bit. Um, but that definitely motivated me as soon as I was able to get back on the court and started getting healthy um, to put in a lot of extra work with Brock and Terry. So as a third setter on the team, I didn't get a ton of practice reps, but I would be in the gym two or three times a week doing extra setting reps or going through video sessions with Terry or those kind of things. Because I, I understood that, like, yeah, this is my role right now. Um, but it's not, not something I want to be. It's not something I'm, I'm comfortable with. I'm willing to do it to be a good teammate. And I, I loved, loved doing it. I really enjoyed it, but I had that end goal in mind the whole time. Nice. And, and I'm curious with your leadership style, when you're not getting the play time or you're injured, like how did your leadership come through and maybe like a support role? Like were you, when Max comes off for a timeout, like obviously he's going to talk to Brock and Terry, but like, are you kind of saying like, Hey, the middle's committing in this rotation or he's not like, were you able to like feel like you were still contributing even though you weren't getting like the actual game reps? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm a pretty vocal guy, I would say on our team. And um, even though I wasn't, yeah, getting the play time, I, I would have loved to be getting, I, I still knew that there was a way for me to contribute and, whether that be with Max, um, like you'd said, yeah, I would, I definitely always try and support Max, uh, with, with things from the sidelines and that kind of stuff, but not, not just him. I, I try and keep an eye on everything that's going on around and, um, try and have a gauge for what my teammates are feeling like and how they need to be motivated, whether it's a guy who needs just some encouragement and support or someone needs to get pushed a little bit. Uh, I've just always been, that's been part of my role. I would say as a leader is trying to be aware of what buttons to push with guys and, and how I can support them even from the sidelines. Cause at the end of the end of the day, all of us want to do or all, all of us want to do on this team. Sorry, is just contribute. That's super interesting. So it, 
how are you aware of this or is it trial and error? Because there, there are guys on every team and there's going to be some guys who are like very rah, rah and very vocal. And then there's other guys who are going to be super chill and calm on the surface. So how do you find the way to communicate best with them? Like, is it just having conversations in the team room or hanging out on the bus? Like, how do you find out what's going to motivate maybe like uh, a Billy Johnson, who's just a ball of energy and wants to be fired up and show how athletic he is versus a guy who's just going to be like calm and even keel on the surface the whole time. Yeah, I think it just comes with friendship, honestly. Like when you get to know someone outside of the court, you start to understand them on the court. And so that's been something I've always tried to do first is like get to know these guys as people and then understand them as athletes. Um, I, I've loved everyone I've gotten to play with at U of A and uh, built some really cool connections with that. And I think with that, like you, you develop a sense of trust with people and they know that what you say to them is genuine. And, and when they know that, then it's a lot easier to, to have tough conversations or to challenge people, but it is a lot of trial and error for sure. And how have you navigated if things ever do get heated, right? Because obviously everybody wants to win and there are those tough moments where it's not all going to be sunshine and everyone's just going to listen to leadership and take these hard conversations. Like how does either U of A or how do you find you navigate those situations? Yeah, they're not always easy. (laughs) There's definitely been lots, but I think the biggest thing for us is understanding that we do it out of a place of trying to push each other to be better. It's not an attack against the person ever. It's always about what's going to make the team better. And we, we've been saying it all year. We've had two goals since uh, August when we started our training camp of win a Canada West title and win a national title. And obviously didn't get one of those done, but we were pretty happy to get the, the second one. Um, so for us, when we, when we challenge each other and when we, are pushing guys in the gym or pushing guys in the weight room. It's always with that goal in mind. It's not an attack on them as a person ever. It's always, how can we reach this goal together? Cause this is what we want to do as a team. And you, you entered university at a very interesting and let's just say at a very challenging time where uh, I'm looking at your U of a roster page. And I think on paper you're a second year, but I think you've been there for three, if not four years because of all the pauses and eligibility and things like that. So how did you personally navigate where, you're a gym rat. Like you've played volleyball your whole life. You want to be in the gym and all of a sudden that's taken away from you. Like, were you a guy who was motivated to go to practice or did you kind of get not, uh, not unmotivated, but maybe it wasn't as fun when you could only do back row threes or you couldn't do six on six or things like that. Like how did you get through this COVID situation so you could be game ready on the other side? Yeah, it's definitely been a change. Uh, I'm not sure what it's, what everything was like across the country. I, I couldn't keep track of every province, but for us, we, uh, we practiced for most of the fall semester last year. It was for a good half of it, it was like full practices. We were wearing masks, but we were able to compete. Um, and then unfortunately broke my, one of my fingers and couldn't practice for the last like half of that semester, unfortunately. Um, but after that, we got shut down completely until like mid February. So it was kind of a November to February break and we couldn't do anything. And it really, I think for all of us, but me especially, it made me realize like how much I do love being in the gym. Uh, it just put that extra fire once we did get back. But every day you want to go out and work hard and enjoy it and enjoy the time with your teammates. Cause like we saw, like it can be taken away pretty quickly. So it gave me a new appreciation for things and it was very, very tough, but um, I think it's made all of us, better for it and like i said more grateful for the opportunities we do have yeah this is awesome to get a little behind the scenes because now i'm really perking up so i won't tell you my sources because then they'll stop feeding me information but again doing some research and talking to some people 
you played middle, and not only did you play middle, you're playing middle against Calgary, which friend of the show, Tom Sora, he's dishing it. And to me, middle is such a complex position. There's so much Q reading going on. When did you start getting middle reps before that January series versus Calgary? Like when I heard you guys were down to two or three middles at a couple different times. Why are you the guy to raise his hand and say, coach, I think I can help us. Give me some reps. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I, uh, I never like played middle legitimately before U of A. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I blocked out of the middle for some high school seasons. Uh, um, like set from there and block there. So I had a little bit of experience with, with blocking. Um, but it was just kind of like, I, I knew where I was at in terms of depth chart. Like Max is an awesome setter and we didn't need another setter just waiting on the sidelines. Um, I knew that I could contribute in that role and being an older guy, being around the Canada West for, for a few years, I understood the game and, and some of the finer skills of it. So for me, like, I may not be the most physical player or the best blocker, but I can read the game and understand the flow of things. So that was a little bit of a smoother transition for me. Um, I <laughs> to answer the other, the other part of the question. I started practicing it uh, about a week before we played Calgary. <laughs> I I'd done it a little bit first semester. Um, we were down to to two middles and myself. Um, so just got a few reps in the in the first semester, and then the weekend before Calgary, actually, um, I was our third middle. I hadn't been practicing it, but we had a few late week injuries. Um, and so I, I was in there, or I was our backup for that match and Billy rolled his ankle. So I ended up playing that weekend against McEwen and then trained the rest of, um, the next week leading into Calgary played against them. And then unfortunately that's when Braden went down. So I actually haven't set for really any of this past semester. It's been bouncing between positions. So just for our listeners, if they don't understand the context here, like, again, I'm going to pump his tires because Tom Sore is awesome and he's been on our show. That's a youth national team setter, an upperclassman at Calgary. And Calgary finished fourth at Nationals. They finished third at Canada West. So you're playing against, like, a legit team. So when you're switching positions, like, what did you appreciate about middles? And, and was there anything that was, like, harder in your mind where you're like, wow, when other teams are in system, like, this is really hard? Or maybe as a setter, you love running the quick and the big over top, or as a middle, you're kind of like, I don't know which one to bite on. Like, was there anything that, like, was a huge learning curve for you? Yeah, I think all of it was a huge learning <laughs> curve for me. <laughs> we we have an awesome coaching staff, and so they gave us some great game plan stuff for me to focus on. So it wasn't just, like, I'm going in ice cold just read, just watch the ball. I had some, some things to look for, thankfully, but it definitely made me yeah, appreciate read blockers. Um, <laughs> made me appreciate service pressure as well. Cause as soon as it went into out of system, I was like, okay, I can do this, but getting stuck on the net, I, I was getting eaten alive. And yeah, you mentioned Tom and Jacob Reed, their other setter as well. Like they were just pumping me. So it, it wasn't, wasn't necessarily my best performance, but I felt like I was contributing nonetheless and, and found ways to be effective in my role. Um, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't a Cam West all-star in the middle by any means, but I think I was passable. Nice. And the next one I want to get your version of, because again, I'm just going to let the urban legend of this grow, but to get you to, to set the record straight. So Braden gets injured. You're buddies with him. You've played with him through club instead of you. I, I, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm sure you responded and said like you, you took care of him first and made sure he was okay. But then you respond and say, I need some passing reps. Like, I think I can fill that spot. Like, how soon did that happen that you're getting extra passing reps or you're playing outside in practice or you're taking care of your shoulders so you don't get injured again? Like, when did you all of a sudden become an outside hitter when your buddy goes down? Well, like you said, like the first thing was 
just sad for Braden. Um, it was really tough to see him go down and he, he is a huge part of our team. Uh, so that was, that was tough on all of us Took took care of him that evening. But, um, before we loaded the bus that night, when we were clearing out of the team room, I just, I pulled Brock aside and just said, Hey, like, let me know if you want me in for passing reps on Monday. And that was, that's a skill that I've never really done. So I, part, part of it was like, okay, I can probably contribute and help out if we need, but part of it was like, okay, maybe I should just learn how to do this in case another guy goes down. In my head, it wasn't like, I'll be the next guy in. It was, do we need another backup? Um, and started passing two days later. So we, <laughs> our second match against Calgary was on a Saturday, um, started doing passing reps on Monday. And then basically every day, uh, from then until the week before nationals, I was doing extra reps before practice. Yeah, that's, that's the one skill as a set that I've never had to develop. Um, I've never been a serve receiver in, in anything other than beach. So it was a very steep learning curve. And I think it's something I would like to keep getting better at, but it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty much immediately after that weekend. So maybe uh, at the risk of exaggerating here, you're, thousands of reps behind like a, a Braden Friesen who's been playing outside his whole life. So uh, again, I, I asked you what you appreciated about middles. Was there anything you grew to appreciate being an outside? Yeah. I, again, I think all of it, like it was, <laughs> it was a really unique semester for me and I, I loved getting to try new things and just be challenged in completely different ways. Um, I'll, I'll get back to your question in a second, but like, I think as, as a setter or as any position you get, so fixated on the tiniest little details and changing small things that it can be really tough sometimes to go to the gym and it's just frustrating, but getting to play different positions every few weeks and then getting to learn something completely new. It was just a lot of fun for me. Uh, getting to kind of branch out a little bit and try something new and just, just enjoy playing volleyball and not be so focused on every little detail. So yeah, with, with outside, I think like I already said, service, I, I gained a new level of appreciation for my passers. I you'll never catch me saying, come on, boys, this is an easy, easy serve again, because I know there's no such thing anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just it's a completely different game and completely different mindset. Um, that, those were the biggest things for me was receive. And then, yeah, just the mindset shift. And I'm glad you mentioned earlier, like your leadership style and you're a pretty vocal guy. So Braden goes down and. and- I'm, I'm glad to hear that you were like, everybody get on my back. I'm going to carry us. This is going to be awesome. But what was the mood or what was the chatter in the team room? Cause you just, you lose to Calgary, you lose a great player, like a national team level player. Uh, like what was the message about what we're going to do about it? Like it was the message, like we're still going to reach our goal. Like what was just the overall mood of the team? Instead of you saying, guys, I, I got this, like we are all still working, but how did nobody get the poor me's about like, we're down to two middles. Now we just lost our P one. Like now Isaac has to step up. Who's going to play P two. Like all these little decisions that have to go into it. Like what was just the mood in the team room? Yeah. Well, we weren't sure immediately what was up with Braden. Um, we we feared that it was going to be something that took him out for the season, but we didn't know. So we didn't want to like jump to any big conclusions with that. Um, but there was definitely a sense of frustration. And that was one of the first times our program's been swept by Calgary um, in a weekend series in a long, long time. I, I don't actually know what the last time was. So there was that and just frustration about the matches itself. Um, so I don't feel like we, we were really thinking too much past that weekend, yeah. I think we were all just kind of in shock that, that we got swept more than anything. Um, and they're a great team. Like, as we all saw, they were top four in the country and they definitely deserve that. But for us, with, with the goal of a national title, 
our expectation is, is always to go in and, and be able to come out with the result that we, we feel like we've earned. Um, so for us to go through that weekend, that was more our mentality than anything. It was, it was about what just happened. How do we bounce back from that more so than what do we do moving forward? I think we were still just all waiting to see with both. Now, I, I pumped your tires a lot, and I think there are other people that deserve credit. And one name that came up uh, in my research from my wonderful source here is uh, Sam Dryberall. I hope I'm saying his last name correctly. Just another plug-and-play player where it sounds like he's fighting for the lib spot, but he was able to step in and run uh, the opposite side as a setter, right? So it, what's the U of A gym like where it just sounds like you got guys who can step in, everybody wants to play, like there, there's good guys on the bench, there's probably good guys redshirting. Like what is the mood of practice where like, okay, you're going to play middle, then you shift to outside, that means somebody's got to uh, set on the other side and we plug this guy in, but if he's going to set, someone else has to play lib. Like is there just like a next man up attitude or like who who are all these great volleyball players in the gym who are just eager, like I'll play whatever position you want, just put me in the drill, Brock. Yeah, <laughs> well, Sammy's no slouch. Um, he he was actually a youth national team setter. Um, grew up in Calgary, played Canuck, and he's he's an awesome volleyball player as well. Um, have to give him some props to you. Me and him are uh, bench pepper partners, so it was good to see both of us get get some different looks. But yeah, I think like I had mentioned before, we all understood what the goal was, and we were willing to do whatever it took to get there. Um, a lot of egos got put aside. Like we didn't care about showing that we can be the best in the position we normally play or that we deserve to play in that. We just cared about what does the team need now. Um, and Sam is an awesome example of that. He didn't hesitate at all when, when he stepped out of a libero or backup libero position. He, he was just willing to do what we needed and still ended up being a passing sub and doing all that kind of stuff and doing passing reps and those kind of things. Um, going the Yeah, he took the reins in practice and a couple other guys just more than happy to shift around. Uh, Owen Murray was another guy for us who he was actually a player manager at the start of the year and just worked, worked his butt off every day. Um, he was in there grinding away with us all the time and um, ended up taking that second libero spot when Sam shifted and became a serving sub for us. So like you said, it was just always a next man up mentality because we cared so much about each other and, and we had that common goal. What a great story. So much adversity here. So let's let's cover the playoffs because I, I was a bit of a clown and I said, 13-team conference, 12 makes playoffs. What is this participation thing going on? But then I found myself checking scores and watching as much as I can, and it was just bonkers. And, and even the first game to open up uh, your pool, so you guys are hosting, but SAS takes down UBC. Like, what is the mood around your pool of death? And don't get me wrong, you don't have to say it, but, like, the, the whole UBC thing caused some drama, and I know that shifted the schedule. Like, you don't have to comment on that, but just comment about, like, the pool of death and who you're playing, and you know you got to advance. Like, what was the mood about this year's Canada West playoffs? Yeah, um, we actually really enjoyed the playoff format. And <laughs> I think for our team, we got kind of lucky with it, with how many games there were. Um, we had no idea what the other conferences were going to be like. We, we watched them in video, but we didn't really get to see the Prairie Conference at all. We got to go out to BC a little bit, but didn't see them in playoff or lead up to playoff time. So I, I think it was a great way of doing things, of trying to level the playing field and make sure um, the best teams got out. Um, but like I said, for us, like we, we were going with a new lineup with me playing left side and, uh, being able to get reps with that unit, I think was really beneficial for us, which might not have happened in a normal Canada West playoff format. Um, so I think we were super lucky, but with that first weekend, 
I'm not going to lie. I was pretty nervous after U of S um, won that first game. Just, yeah, being out of position and, and not knowing quite what to expect from our team at that point. Um, I was I was a little concerned. I was like, what if what the first season ends this weekend? And what if we lose to UBC or what if we lose to U of S tomorrow night? Like those thoughts were definitely running through my head. I can't uh, can't comment on any of my teammates. I'm, I'm hoping they were more confident than me, but uh, it was a lot of a lot of meaningful games at that time of the season. So yeah, you guys take care of business. I think uh, the third team in your pool would have been Fraser Valley, right? So you, you get through them, Sask and UBC, and then you host again because well learned. I, I think you were the the Alberta one seed, right? So you play Brandon and University of Winnipeg. Again, you mentioned it. You didn't know what the other conference was going to be like. How are you prepping for these matches? Like it, you're watching a ton of video, I'm sure. But what was the coaching staff doing to get we're used to two schools you didn't see during the regular season? Yeah, um, like you said, a lot of video. We we do a lot of individual video stuff earlier in the week, and then our team video um, kind of as we get closer to matches. And um, our yeah, our coaching staff is tireless in in terms of game prep. Brock is awesome with that. Dale Johns, one of our assistant coach coaches, sorry, he uh, he's a master of watching every single game on any team um, and statting everything that could possibly be statted. So we're always super fortunate to have that in our back pocket, where we have pretty pretty in depth game plans, and uh, even without really watching too much of a team, we can understand tendencies pretty quickly and those kind of things because our staff put so much time into it. So for us, it was different, but it also prepared us for for nationals, getting to to see a team from out east in Queens, um, just getting ready for for that different atmosphere of you've never seen these guys before, you don't know what they're going to be like, but you got to go out and perform. So a lot of the focus shifted to what we can do and and how our side can be successful, but having just little bits and pieces about what we're going to see on on the other end. And then that sets the stage for Calgary for for the Can West semifinal, like. Be honest. What was what was the mood? Were you feeling nervous? Like here, here we go. Like this is going to be a tough one. Like they're confident. They feel like they can beat us. Like they did beat us. Like what what was the mood prepping for that match? Yeah. <laughs> well, from the the weekend where Braden went down and I was playing middle until that Canada semifinal, I felt like every match our team was getting better and better. Um, we were we were picking up a lot of steam and we had been really successful obviously through the first couple rounds of, of the can West playoffs and i think we were all just really excited that was kind of the the vibe in the team room beforehand and um and everything we did we have a, a lot of respect for calgary and they were a great team this year but i think we just had that that self-belief that yeah we we may have lost these guys last time but we're a completely different team now and we're we're ready to go prove it uh, but it was it was a great match and like i said they were a great team now this might be revisionist history, but to play Trinity in the final, like play them at their place, that place is probably rocking, really fun place to play, like ton of people there. You, you go down three one, but three of the sets are within two. Did that give you confidence going into nationals? Because in doing the show, like looking back at the history of, of Can West, it's not unusual for a Can West silver or third place team to then win nationals. Like I think the conference is that competitive that just because you win Canada West doesn't mean you're going to beat the same team a week or two weeks later at nationals. Like, was there anything you guys could take away from it, or was just like the, the disappointment that you didn't reach a goal, that you didn't get a, a Canada West like championship banner? Yeah, we we definitely didn't feel like we played our best in that game. I think there was just that sense of unfinished business afterwards. I know that they would probably say the same, that they didn't play their best and they can be better too, which I'm sure is true. But 
we just felt like we had something more to give and we had another gear that we didn't get to show. So after that match, we were all, we were all very disappointed. Um, yeah, it was, it was a goal for us to win that, that Cam West title, but, um, we moved on pretty quick into to preparing for what was next. And we knew that we were going to get another shot at them at some point. And we knew we were going to have to go through them to get that national title. Um, so I think it was kind of always in the back of our minds of we we want to earn that next chance against these guys and, and we want to show that we do have have something more here. And before we jump to nationals here, again, I have to fact check here because I think the story is amazing. Is it true you guys didn't fly to Winnipeg? You took a bus? <laughs> we uh, <laughs> sort of. We, we bused to Saskatoon and then flew from there to Winnipeg. And then <laughs> the way home was full bus ride. What are the hours to get to Sask and then fly? Like that just seems like a logistical headache. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Saskatoon was a little over six hours, um, and then the flight wasn't wasn't long. Um, but on the way home, what was it like? Fifteen hours on the bus uh, yesterday trying to get back to Edmonton. So it, <laughs> it was a good thing we won because that could have been a whole lot longer. <laughs> I, I was going to say, is there any griping or is there just like more adversity? This is going to make an awesome story. Like it, it, it obviously had to be done that I don't think there was a flight from Edmonton to Winnipeg when you guys needed it. But like, is anybody given Brock or Terry the gears about like, what are we doing here, guys? <laughs> yeah, I think there was <laughs> I think there was a feeling of like, what the heck is going on? Like, why aren't we just doing what we normally do and flying straight there? But we were we were all just on board for whatever it, it was and it's nationals like you you're just grateful to be there so however it however it takes to get there whatever it looks like we weren't too concerned we were just happy to be there now take me through the first match because a pessimist might say oh look at the scores it was 14 16 and 20 but i'm sure the nerves were flying i, I think queens didn't play as well as they could or, or maybe you guys game planned really well and you put them in a tough position but uh, i have a feeling the scores maybe make it seem like it was a little easier than maybe it, it felt on the court yeah i would say there was definitely some nerves for us for for a lot of our team that was our first time like playing in nationals just with covid stuff most of our guys were young like i'm a fourth year and max was kind of the only guy on the team last time when we were at nationals who played. Um, so there was definitely just those jitters in the first match. And I think we game planned really well, but yeah, like you said, I, I think Queens probably had a little bit more, more to give and I'm sure they would like that game back. Um, but we were just feeling really confident as well. Our, our group really believed in each other and right from the get go, we knew what we wanted to do. Easy to fire up from Calgary, I'm sure they're in the semifinal. But again, what's the mood? And again, just looking at the set scores, win 16, but then tight one, win 23, and then they flip it. They beat you guys 10. So in that side change going into the fourth, are you talking? Is Brock talking? Like, what's the mood? Is there any feeling of like, here we go again? Like, we're in for a tough one? Or did you guys just write the ship right away? Like, what what is the mood when you're facing basically a rival? The amount of times you play them this year, the amount of times you play them in meaningful matches, when they when they kind of flip it and all of a sudden the third set's 25, 10, like what is the mood on the bench? <laughs> yeah. Well, it wouldn't be a national semifinals without a little adversity. I would say, <laughs> um, we didn't go in expecting to roll those guys by any means. Like we knew it was going to be a battle. Um, and so going up two Oh, I don't think we got comfortable, but I, I think we, we did let the foot off the gas a little bit. Um, and then they started storming back and, and it just kind of snowballed from there where we couldn't, couldn't catch back up and, and couldn't, uh, couldn't find our footing again in that set, but between sets, yeah, I, 
I was talking to the team a bit, Brock was talking to the team a bit and, and we kind of just said like, we had about 15 minutes because <laughs> set was that fast to us. <laughs> so that was kind of our, our motto there for, for the last little bit of, Hey, it was about 15 minutes, but doesn't matter. Um, I think <laughs> throughout the season, any, anyone who's played at a high level will understand that in practices, you're going to have bad little stretches where a drill doesn't go well or, or something doesn't go well. Um, and for us, I think we were able to kind of reflect on that and just remember like, yeah, you can have a bad 15 minutes and it didn't, didn't work out well for us losing that step, but we knew that we can respond just as quickly. Now let me in behind the scenes here. So you guys played the six o'clock semi, you, you take it down. Do you stay at the venue? Do you watch Trinity Sherbrooke? Do you go back to the hotel and shower and eat and somebody's going to give you a game plan? Like what were the hours leading into the national final? Cause you know, you're going to play at four o'clock the next day in the final, but what were the small steps or the, or the habits or routine you guys like to do to kind of get ready for that, that national final? It was a little bit different with our post game stuff, just because the other semi was going on right away. So um, we actually stayed in the gym right after the match and just did a recovery while watching the first set. And that was a, that was a battle between, between Trinity and, uh, and Sherbrooke. And that was a really fun one to watch because there was some really big momentum shifts and both teams played great at points and both teams struggled at points. So it was, it was cool to, to be able to experience that. But then after that, um, it was time to get back to the hotel, get some food and us and, and just start mentally preparing for the next day. We didn't know who we were going to be playing yet, but we, uh, we just knew that we needed to focus on ourselves at that point. Uh, make sure we were recovering properly and getting sleep and all those kind of things to get ready for whoever it was we were going to be playing. Cause you know, it's going to be a battle in the national finals. And regardless of who is there, we want to be as physically and mentally prepared as we could be. Yeah. Like as a fan, I thought it was very interesting because uh, I got the pleasure to work with a bunch of those Sherbrooke guys on the beach and they're, they're doing everything right. It looks like the wheels are falling off at Trinity and all of a sudden one time out at, I think 2014. And then, Ep with a nice setter dump and Elser goes back to the service line and they just start rolling. Like, is there any sense of like, we're in for one the next day when you watch like a huge comeback like that, or because you've been across from the net from them, like there's no intimidation. You're kind of just like, yeah, that's what Brody Hofer does. And that's what these guys do. Like what, what was the mood when you saw them play probably as bad as you've seen them play to just absolutely go on a run? Yeah, I think we were all a little bit stunned. Um, we weren't cheering for anybody in that game. Obviously <laughs> we were just observers, but seeing Sherbert go up like that and have all the momentum and just be firing on all cylinders to, to Trinity kind of snatching that away. It was, it was pretty, pretty crazy to watch. Honestly, being in the gym, we were, we were all just kind of shocked. It was like, these guys are up by six. This is an easy set win for them. Trinity's going to be down to 10 minutes later. Sherbert's just lost all momentum. So for us, it was just like, Whoa, what just happened? But we weren't too focused on what that meant for us at all. We, we knew that, no matter what happened in that set, it was going to be a new day the next day. And what was your next day? Like what time was breakfast? Did you do any servant pass or did you, everybody get a sleep in like there, there's consolation matches going on. There's the bronze going on. Like just take me through the day of what the routine was and what time you guys got to the gym. Yeah, we, uh, we tried to stay as close to our routine every day, like regardless of our match start time. Um, so got up around, 8.20, 8.30, and went straight down for breakfast. Um, and then we didn't really do much serve pass throughout nationals, just wanted to minimize the load and, and maximize sleep. So right after breakfast, um, went to the gym for about 20, 25 minutes, just kind of loosened up. Um, a few of us would go and get passing reps, and Max would get some setting reps, and guys would kind of just hang out for a little bit. 
just be in the gym on the court, kind of feeling things out. And then after that, back to the hotel, everyone's on their own for a little bit. So for me, that's nap time usually and just kind of relax and do some reading, try and keep my mind off of off of the game. Um, just, yeah, chill out for a little while. Then we went into our, our pregame video, which um, because it was Trinity and we just played them the week before, wasn't um, crazy long or anything. We we know those guys pretty well. Most of us have grown up playing against those, those players and I've seen them for a long time. So we understand um, at a pretty good level of what we're going to be seeing, but went over game plans, made some changes based off of the Ken West final and, and what happened there. Um, and then after that, it was pregame meal off to the gym and then right into it. And what is the mood? Is there like a Disney like speech from Brock? Are you the one talking? Is everybody just fired up and excited? Like, let's set the scene here. Ben Joe is going to be our national team head coach. So you're playing against the national team head coach. Brody Hofer is as good as a university player as I think there's ever been. They got both Elser brothers. They got Jackson Howe. I didn't know who Jordan uh, Snitzler was before this year, but man, he's really good too. So you're just going up and down the list going, that guy's good. That guy's good. That guy's good. Like, is there any nerves or is there just like, this is it We're we're we've reached our goal. Uh, we're playing for a national final. Let's just go have fun and let, like, let's go for it. Like what was the, the 15 minutes, like the last 15 minutes in the team room before you guys go out? Yeah, I think all the coaches had some really good things to say for us about just making it happen and, and kind of reaffirming all the things we've been talking about all year. Of This is where we want it to be. Like, there's, there's nowhere else we'd rather be right now than in this final and, and kind of encouraging us to just enjoy the moment. And that was something I think our team did really well throughout the playoff run was we really, really enjoyed playing together. Um, yeah, this a bunch of guys on our team have said it um, throughout the last couple of days, but... I think it's just really important for people to know, like this is one of the closest teams that any of us have ever been on. Um, we, we all just loved playing together. And so for us to have another chance to play a meaningful game together, that was kind of the biggest thing to me. It was just like, let's go enjoy being together more than anything. And me and Max were chatting after the game just about, yeah, the emotions beforehand. And neither of us really felt nervous. Like there's obviously a little bit of jitters and stuff, but we kind of both woke up feeling like this is going to be a good day. Like whatever happens, let's go out and enjoy this, this time together on the court. This has been an amazing run. It's crazy that we're here with, with everything that's gone on this year with our team and um, injuries and stuff like that, but let's go enjoy it. And that was kind of our, our mentality beforehand. It wasn't too high. It wasn't crazy nervous. There wasn't a lot of, a lot of anything special going on. It was just like another day for us. We just, we just loved being together and wanted to enjoy every moment. And was it similar in the semi in the sense of like when you did face adversity, like what is the talk and the timeout? What is the mood? Because you guys come out, you, you take it. And then sure enough, Big Bad Trinity starts rolling and it, it looks like a 25-12 second. And then you guys are able to snap back. Like, again, was there any mood? Was there any arguing in the huddle? Like, what was the response so you guys could recover and then win a 26-24 super tight one right from the start, right? Yeah, I think during the set, there was definitely some frustration, um, not with each other, just with how things were going. Um, there was a couple of calls that we felt like we should have gotten and we didn't. And then we kind of let that, that affect us for a little while and things started to spiral a little bit. And once we were down by like eight or nine, I think we all kind of knew like we're not, we're not coming back from this one. But we are just such a resilient group and there wasn't any blaming or, or pointing fingers. It was like, okay, like we're going to do this together. 
Um, and just like we said after the, the Calgary set where we got pumped, um, we just kind of said again, hey, it was about 15 minutes, but we've been here before. Um, we didn't we didn't really hang our heads at all. It was kind of just on to the next one. We've already beat these guys in one set. Let's go do it again. And how did you personally feel like you were contributing? Obviously, you're like you're a leader and you're going to help like some of the smaller details for lack of a better term in a game and you're going to be, you're going to pass, you're going to cut block cover, you're going to do all those things. But like Jordan's getting a ton of volume. I think Isaac was up there in kills. Obviously your middles are getting touches. Like you, you registered four kills. And I don't mean that as a slight, but like when you're not, I, I think some people get attracted like, Oh, do you see how many kills I got or how many attempts I got where you're kind of behind the scenes contributing, but how did you still feel valued or engaged in the game, even though you're not getting as many touches as other guys? Yeah. Um, as someone who had only been playing left side for about five weeks, I knew my role. Like I, I knew I wasn't going to be the guy and I didn't expect to be the guy. Um, and everyone just understood what their role on that team was. Like when Brayden went down, Isaac and Jordan both stepped up huge. Um, I think we all knew what kind of a player Jordan was just from his season two years ago before COVID. But Isaac really stepped out of his shell and, and took over for us in a lot of matches. And then Max as well, like being a, being a senior, he really, really stepped up for the team. He uh, he did a lot of really special things with the ball and ran an amazing offense. And same with our middles, like they they were incredible. All three of them, Dino and um, Billy and, and Graydon Weeb, um, they they knew their role. They knew what they were going to do. They knew they were going to have to contribute offensively. And then same with with our libero Landon Curry. Like he hasn't really been been talked about at all today, but. Um, the amount of, of work he put in, um, having me on the court because I knew my limitations. I knew I wasn't going to be our best passer ever just, just with the lack of reps I had. Um, and he stepped up huge with, with taking control of that backcourt when we were in receive and making sure that I could still be effective in my role, but but taking care of me out there and then really supporting me. So I felt like my role out there was to be, be someone who can contribute with little touches. Yeah. Like maybe I'll get a recycle here and there, or maybe I'll get a good slowdown and um, contain a couple of spin serves or, or whatever it is, or, or be putting pressure on them from the service line. Like I knew all these other guys that stepped up in such huge ways that it wasn't really on me to be that guy. Uh, they were going to take care of, of more of the, the volleyball side of things. Whereas I could be more there to support them with the mental side of things and strategy side of things. Um, but like I said, like there was no egos on our team this year. No one, no one was bigger than, than the team. And that was the biggest reason for me being able to be successful is because they just welcomed me onto that starting line and, and took a lot of the, the rope that Braden was pulling, um, that I knew I wasn't able to pull. Is that what you would recommend to a younger athlete? Because it's tempting to go and say, guys, I need more volume. I need the ball. Max, you got to set me more, but like you contributed when you got your chances. Uh, you ripped a couple aces from the service line, so you're contributing on a very individual skill like serving. You're getting block assists. Like you're, you must be pumping guys up. You must be making sure that Jordan feels like a million bucks. So if he gets more volume, like is that the best way to do it? Where like your ego never took over, but you still felt like totally engaged in the match. Is that what guys need to do? Is you need to pass your lane. You need to protect the front or left side when you're in serve receive. You need to make sure everybody's in a good headspace. Like is that what you found you're contributing? Because man, it doesn't show up on the score sheet. But listening to this interview, like you're a factor as much as anybody else was in that game. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough for me to like quantify what my role was or, or what's the most effective way to do it. I think tying back to what I was saying earlier, like just understanding what's the goal of the team. 
Because if the goal of your team is to have a bunch of great individual performances, then then for sure you're going to be telling the setter, I need the ball. But for us, our goal was never that. It was never to have the best individual players. It was to go and win a national championship. Um, and so I, I think for, for young players out there, just understanding, like, what are you guys trying to get out of this? What What's the ultimate goal here? Because if you want to be successful as an individual, then yeah, I could have gone to Max and said, hey, I need the ball. But I know, I know I'm not a left side. I know that I'm not here to be that guy. And so I've made it clear to those guys right from the start, like I'm going to need some support with, with passing. Like it was right from the, the first week I was playing left side. I was like, Landon, if you can approach me, like do what you can. I, I don't mind that. Or Max, I don't need a lot of volume. Like sure. Give me one or two, but like let the other guys go eat. That was, that was always kind of mindset of like, let the team be first here. Let our team be successful because I don't need any individual success. That's, that's not why I'm playing. And I'm sure it never gets old, but did this one feel different at all compared to like a club national championship or a provincial championship? Like what did you winning new sports like feel like? It's still kind of sinking into me. Um, it feels very different. Just, yeah, the magnitude of things like when you're playing club, like that feels like the, the top of the world. But then when you get to university, like not a lot of people have the, the opportunity to win. There's, there's very few players who play university sports who actually end up winning a title. Um, and it's still really sinking into me. I, if you would have told me six months ago that I would be a starting left side on the national champion U sport team, I would have told you you're a liar. <laughs> and so every time, every time I kind of think about it, it makes me laugh a little bit. I'm just like, yeah, like, that actually did happen. We we really did that. But it's it's all just a little bit unreal, right? And with a program like Alberta, is there any like just looking around the room, nodding the heads, being like? we accomplished something special and you can now go to an alumni and talk to coach Riley Barnes or C Walsh or uh, Brock or Terry, or just go down the list that like you're, you're now part of it. Like you, you contributed to that legacy. Like, is, is it something special at U of A just because of so many championships they won that like now you can stand a little bit taller and say, yeah, I got one of those two guys. Like, is it just kind of a nice belonging thing to contribute to the legacy that is the whole program? For sure. Yeah. Our, we have an amazing alumni group where <laughs> Whether you won a title and you were a U Sport MVP or you sat on the bench for five years, like you're still such a big part of what Golden Bears volleyball is. Um, so we're really fortunate with that. But for sure, it's been really cool the last few days having lots of lots of guys reach out. Um, got to FaceTime with Brett a little bit today, Max and I, um, and just chat with him a little bit because we, well, I grew up watching him. Max got to play with him a little bit, and um, just having like someone like that reach out to you or or hearing from hundred different people on social media, just sending little messages who have been a part of the program. Like it, it's just such a special program that we have here. And, um, I think Terry is, is a huge, huge credit to that. He's, he's such a people person. He cares so much about uh, this program and what it stands for and, and everyone who's been a part of it. So for us to, yeah, to be able to win something like that, it means a lot because of all the work that's been put in in the past to get us to this point. Not, not in terms of the volleyball court, but also just what our program stands for and, and the values it has. This is awesome, man. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And I think we contributed more to the urban legend. Hopefully people listen to this and in a few years they'll be like, oh yeah, Cam Kerr was was the MVP that year. I remember watching that. Yeah, he had 16 kills. Like hopefully it just continues growing that you played every position, you did everything and you were this, the best player out there the whole time. So thanks for sharing all that you did. It's amazing to hear your journey and all the different layers you contributed as a leader and just as a great volleyball player and a Swiss Army knife. Uh, 
one thing we've built into a tradition on the show is just to tell a funny or unique story. So we just learned about how you plugged and played and helped your team and you're a U-Sports national champion. But man, something funny or odd must have happened along the way. I was hoping you could share a funny story before we let you go. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> I think the, the funny funniest thing that comes to mind for me, I've always been like a pretty serious volleyball player and like I'm pretty serious with my routines and prep and that kind of stuff. But um, back in my grade 10 high school season, we, uh, we play like junior team and senior team. If you're grade 10, you don't play on the senior team. So I was pretty lucky, had a really talented grade 10 volleyball team. Um, but just a bunch of clowns with me. And, and I, I, I gotta give a, a shout out to my buddy, uh, Ben Kennedy. He, uh, he decided one day that for our, our pregame huddles, he was going to bring in this pan flute that he just found at home and started <laughs> playing a pan flute like before every game. And then that morphed into another guy bringing in like a miniature keyboard, like a little electric keyboard and playing that before the game with hand flute going. And then we'd all start like getting this hype circle going around him. And then one of our other guys just decided like, okay, like now I'm going to go do a backflip on the court after this. So I think that was one of my, one of my funnier volleyball memories of like, we would go out every game with a pan flute, a keyboard and a guy doing a backflip and then go and, and run the, run the table and grade 10 volleyball and everything. So. That was one of the, the one of the funnier experiences for me. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for your share today. And just last question as I think of it, I'm sure the listeners are wondering too. Who called who first? Kendra call you and say congratulations or what what happened in that order? Yeah, well, she was actually on the court after our game for, for quite a while. They started after us. Uh, so I just finished up. Um we were taking our pictures and stuff, and then their game started right after. But I, I gave her a call on the bus ride after uh, the next morning and got to chat with her for a little bit, but it was, it was pretty special to have both of us winning the national title the same day. For sure. For sure. Well, man, thanks for, for joining the show and sharing all you did. I definitely learned a lot. It, it was just cool hearing your story from other people and then getting you on the show and, and getting the behind the scenes. So really appreciate everything you shared. Best of luck with everything you got going on. I'm sure there's a couple more championships. It seems that's all you do is win championships. So, uh, hopefully we'll get you back on the show and you can share a few more stories when that happens. All right. Well, I appreciate you having me, Josh.